It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the engineering at Illinois community. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. While most of our episodes focus on advances in research, today we want to turn our focus to engineering education. Our guest, Laura Hahn, is the Director of the Academy for Excellence in Engineering Education, or AE3, Through programs like the Strategic Instructional Innovations Program, or SIP, teams of instructors reimagine how courses are taught. Through Illinois First Year Experience, AE3 guides freshmen to people and resources they will need in their college experience. Laura is also co-author of a book, Women and Ideas in Engineering Education, which will be published soon. Laura, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, give us a little idea of your background, because it didn't start in, uh, in engineering specifically, but it has uh, always really included an, an educational component. That's true. Uh, my background is actually in language teaching, and uh, through a kind of a winding pathway, I ended up uh, really caring a lot about the educational quality of and uh, instruction in the uh, University of Illinois, and um, wound up at the College of Engineering helping uh, faculty and graduate teaching assistants in um, instructional initiatives. So give us an idea of the background of AE3 because uh, it's a relatively uh, new program and, and uh, kind of what sorts of uh, issues were they, were they hoping to solve when they started the program? AE3 has actually been around for over 20 years and um, it's kind of recently gained some momentum with some new staff that we've gotten. Um, Basically, it started out as a program uh, focused on helping new faculty. Uh, we have a program called the Collins Scholars, and it's um, been around for quite a while under different names. We uh, meet with our first-year faculty once a week for lunch on Friday afternoons, and we discuss uh, teaching-related issues and help them along with their um, experience and beginning in, in their instructional experience at Illinois. Uh, it's a great group of people every year. We observe them in their classes and give them feedback. It's, um, it's really great to see them come together as a community and talk about uh, things they're facing in the classroom, things like that. Well, we hear often a lot about research done, uh, and so there are, I, I would guess that there are uh, uh, faculty members that set off to do research and uh, maybe hadn't thought about teaching before, or uh, their focus has been on their research up to this point. So how do you kind of bring them along? It's true. A lot of our, um, many of our faculty come in um, with a strong background in research, but maybe haven't been in a classroom before. So that's exactly what this Collins Scholar Program is set out to do, is provide um, some basic ideas on how to operate in a classroom, and then um, some guidance. And we take them to observe other faculty in our college who are known for excellent teaching, and we call them excellent teacher visits, and they get to see what, um, how other faculty in the, in the college teach and kind of see the standard and get ideas for their own classrooms. Well, uh, you mentioned that this program, AE3, had been around for about 20 years. Um, you know, what, how have you seen engineering education grow? Obviously, technology affects how, you, uh, how just in general, teaching happens, but uh, what are some of the advances that you feel has, has happened over the last, say, five or, five or ten years? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's um, changed at Illinois, partially because of this um, Strategic Instructional Innovations Program, is kind of in the past, whereas research has always or often been a collaborative effort where you're on a research team, you're often not on a teaching team. 
and you're more isolated in the classroom and um, kind of independent. And I think I think faculty are seeing the value in um, the same same value that comes out of being on a creative research team where you're collaborative and working together and it's creative, working on teams to uh, to do things in the classroom and to try new things and to share resources and things. I think it's I think has made a big difference, especially in these large large courses. Well, and obviously in uh, helping faculty, you're helping students as well. And some of the feedback that I've heard from students who have been through classes that have had benefited from SIP is that the uh, material is, is much easier to understand because they're often the, the, the core courses that are the foundation of their experience here uh, can be very challenging. We had had good pe- feedback from the students. Um, they're, the main idea of a lot of these courses is to get them more engaged instead of just listening to a straight-up lecture during class. Um, there are resources and technologies available for them to do things in and out of class that um, allow them to become more interactive and learn from each other. So the SIP program specifically, um, how, how do faculty get involved? I mean, obviously they have to come together as a team to say, hey, we're going to do this. Uh, what's, what's the process like? Well, it's a competitively awarded grant program <clears throat> where um, faculty apply and um, they come up with an idea. Originally, the idea was um, to target these large introductory courses that students didn't want to take and faculty didn't want to teach. And now it's expanded toward um, really invoking the creativity of faculty who want to just try something new in their classroom, um, have an idea of something that's scalable and sustainable, and they need a little help to go along with it. And so they, they apply, and then they, um, they work with our, um, some of our senior faculty who are um, education innovation fellows, um, a team of terrific faculty members who are on SIP teams themselves and kind of help each other cross-pollinate ideas across teams so that um, they, can, they can bring these ideas for their teams to fruition. Well, we've talked kind of generalities. Can you give us some success stories specifically on uh, classes and teams that uh, have developed some, some pretty creative, innovative uh, ideas when it comes to teaching their courses? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a good team who's working on uh, team formation and try how to understand using um, a software tool to coordinate students into teams. Uh, there's a course on... Um, to, or, a project on design thinking that's encouraging students across um, art and design, computer science, and mechanical engineering to work together to learn different aspects of design thinking. Um, there is a course uh, that's just started out for teaching assistants, which is new, that a, that a great team of, of faculty have started. So it's kind of expanding beyond um, directly helping undergraduates in this way, but ultimately you know, with better TAs in the classroom. Um, we're also excited about about that project. Um, there's some great courses on improving student writing and, and student speaking skills, just just a variety. So obviously there are, in, in when you're in engineering and, and uh, mathematics-based or whatever, when you talk about data, what, uh, there's, there are ways, I'm sure, to measure success <laughs> Um, how is that going, and, and how can you tell that, you know, other than anecdotally, that this program has been a success? 
That's a, that's a very good question. It's, in education research, it's very difficult to do um, clinical trials and things that you think of in, in other kinds of uh, research. But uh, we do student surveys. We look at student uh, grades. We look at um, you know student satisfaction, faculty satisfaction, um, other things. It is somewhat more intangible, but... Um, but it is and an assessment is a challenge in general, but we are keeping track of those kinds of things. And I would think from a retention standpoint, if students have a positive experience, um, you know, I've heard stories of there's a few courses that are just the stumbling blocks, mm-hmm. and then students say engineering is not for me. Right. But if you can get them through those courses, then that you know, they're on a path to be successful down the road. Exactly, and that's exactly what we're aiming for. So talk about other things uh, that A3, because obviously SIP takes up, uh, you know, a good chunk of it. But, uh, you know, what are some of the other things that uh, the Academy is is working on? Well, we have um, the Illinois Engineering First Year Experience, the IFX program, as part of AE3, which is a, a program designed to um, get freshmen engaged in their, in their first year while they're here. Um, Engineering 100 is part of that, a class that everyone takes. And uh, we have a terrific team of of faculty and staff who have recently done a very good job of of revamping that. And then there are also kind of these um, electives that freshmen can take their freshman year to kind of counteract these, not counteract, but maybe balance out these um, math and science courses that they're having to take uh, that are that are more real-world oriented for engineering. Uh, there's a course in sustainability. There's a projects course uh, where students can get can design their own devices. Um, there's there's a course that focuses on the National Academy of Engineering Grand Challenges. So students get a, a kind of a exposure early on to uh, some of the things that they might be able to do as engineers. So how specifically has engineering education changed? Um, technology, I'm sure, plays a huge part in, you know, uh, there's still a few courses that are taught in big lecture halls of mm-hmm. maybe two or 300 students, but uh, it seems like, you know, online has certainly um, caught on as well as, <coughs> excuse me, some collaboration efforts from, from students. As, so, you know, how, how are things changing in terms of how engineering and maybe education in general is taught? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a really good question. And it, it, with all the technology out there, it does really make you think, um, what is the value of an Illinois education? And why, why do people come here when they can learn, you know, the laws of thermodynamics off of YouTube or something? And um, I feel like the important thing is... Uh, that we're trying to focus on and, and get people to think about is um, the students come here to be inspired and, and for the community and to see professors who are doing amazing things in research and bring those things into the classroom. And I feel like that's a strength that Illinois has. Um, so technology, of course, helps in many ways, especially because we have so many students. Uh, we have actually our faculty have been very creative in coming up with their own technologies for the classroom that um, I can talk about if you want but um, some of them are just tremendous and have really helped 
um, take away some of the, the rote things of, of teaching so many students and enable them to spend more time being, um, doing more meaningful things in the classroom. <clears throat> I know physics, um, they have developed some, some devices as well and, and uh, were highlighted during, during our uh, uh, campaign kickoff in the fall. So, um, you know, they, um, there's been, uh, it's been highlighted. I think people are interested in that. Uh, and I would suspect maybe one of the benefits is that as teams of faculty come together to work on specifically the SIP, uh, they really – uh, advocates a more team effort when it comes to the all, their overall experience here. Absolutely, and I think that I think that you know that's true of everything. It's true for research. It's true for teaching. It's true for learning. Um, I think it's I think it's a good way. Well, one of the reasons that uh, we thought specifically now to, to bring you in to talk about this is uh, we have highlighted the Cancer Scholars Program, and uh, for those that are maybe uh, un- unaware of of what that program is, uh, Rohit Bargava the, directs the program out of bioengineering, and uh, through a cohort of students, uh, they come together uh, from the very beginning, from their first day on campus, and they look at their entire educational experience in the prism of cancer. Um, so just talk about that specifically, and then uh, could this be a, a, a new way of thinking when it comes, you know, there, are there other aspects outside of cancer that, that this idea might work for? Well, sure. I think it's a tremendous program, and I give so much credit to uh, Professor Bargava and uh, Dr. Marcy Poole and everyone who's worked on that project. It, um, it has been a model and an aspiration for, um, for other, other programs, um, one of the one of the key things about it is it really taps into student motivation. So the students who sign up for this, you know, cancer is something that they really care about, and they get to dig into it early. And um, I think that's, you know, whatever, you know, these are, there are many other grand challenges, so-called clean water, uh, virtual reality, things like that, that um, maybe students come in already knowing that they care about that and, um having that context for learning along that along that pathway all the way through is is really powerful because then you see how things fit together better you see the purpose of your physics classes more and your your math classes and you see a see an end goal well and i know in talking with the first cohort or now seniors just the bond that they had um and just the tremendous uh success that they've had in their research um and internships and things like that, um, I would say, you know, um, may not have been possible had they not been involved in this program. They're very bright students who I'm sure would have been successful, but their experience would have been much different. Absolutely. I think it's a community. It all comes back to the community again and um, finding that, that group of people that you want to work with and that you, that you care about and that you stick with, I think, is, is pretty powerful, especially in given this size of the, our college. and Well, in addition to your day job, if you will, um, you uh, have been working on a project uh, for, uh, on, on women and I- ideas in engineering. Um, so just talk about the concept of the, the book, which I believe will be out this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had, how long have you been working on it, and, and where did this idea come from? Well, this idea came from a book that I somehow had on my shelf 
from 1967 published by the University of Illinois Press called Men and Ideas in Engineering. And one day it was sitting on my shelf and I looked at it and across the hall from me was um, Angie Walters who directs a women in engineering program. I picked up that book and I walked over to her and I just blurted it out. I think we know what we have to write. The It's time for the sequel to this. So um, that's how it got started. It was, you know, two or three years ago now that we started um, with the seed of the idea. And it's been a, it's been a tremendous experience. It's been a great pleasure to work on this project. So there are 12 chapters in the, in the book, and they're uh, basically 12 ideas. You start from the very pioneer. Um, and for, folks may not realize that the, the first uh, graduate in architecture in the United States came from the University of Illinois. The first woman, Mary Louisa Page. Um, she she was um, the School of Architecture was originally in the College of Engineering, and she was the first woman. Um, she got her BS in architecture there, um, and it was really a fascinating story. She was kind of an entrepreneur in and of herself. Started her own her own um, her own architecture business. In your research, just talk about the challenges that women have had in engineering because it, it is one of those fields that's been a male-dominated field. Uh, you know, how have they overcome that? And, you know, today, I believe 28% of the freshmen at Illinois, for instance, are female, mm-hmm. which may not seem like a great number, but it's certainly up from, from where it's been, you know, over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Well, things are changing, certainly. Um, can I read you just sure. a paragraph Absolutely. of an example? Yeah, of, sure. <laughs> um, Please do. So, uh, Barbara Crawford Johnson was a um, general engineering. She was the first woman to get a degree in general engineering in 1946. And she was the only woman on the NASA engineering team who was responsible for the moon landing. So this is an example of one of the challenges that she had. She, she, she was working on the Hound Dog Project in the 1950s for Rockwell. At this time, project travel was restricted for women. Rather than brief other engineers on the work she was leading so that they could report the progress, Bobby, she went by Bobby, submitted a travel authorization as B.C. Johnson. It was approved, so without the, without the man, program manager's full knowledge, she made the trip and gave a briefing so well-received that a high-ranking Air Force official thanked the program manager for sending Bobby. On her return, Bobby received a new travel authorization form for women that had to be signed by the president or senior vice president of the division. But the bold move broke the barrier for women to participate in ongoing site client meetings. Wow. (laughs) So back in the day, they couldn't travel. So whatever whatever it takes, I I would take. uh, It took a little ingenuity to to kind of break this barrier, so to speak. So uh, talk about some of the other women that you highlight. Um, And as I mentioned, this is broken down into certain themes. And the last one is the future, and we'll kind of save the last question for that. But uh, you know, who are some of the the women? And these are specifically in Illinois, I believe. Um, And um, you know. Might be tough to highlight one or two, but uh, but you've you've certainly been engrossed in this, and uh, so just give us a little flavor if you can. Uh, well, we one of our chapters is on early faculty members. Uh, Louise Woodruff was a faculty member who um, taught drawing for the College of Engineering and spent her summers traveling with the Ringling Brothers Circus, 
painting circus scenes and clowns. Um, but that was another great story. Uh, but for, mo for many of these, we ended up with a kind of a modified version of crowdsourcing where we just started asking faculty and, and people like you, Mike, who, you know, who stands out to you as, as a prominent um, member of the college. And clearly, um, Rosalind Yallo, who won the Nobel Prize in Medicine, um, Joan Mitchell, who was on the team that um, invented the JPEG uh, image compression, Nancy Sotos for her work in self-healing polymers. You know, Judith Liebman is a prominent faculty member in mechanical and industrial engineering. Then Tammy Bond, many names just of faculty just stand out. And then the more we explored, we, we heard about alums as well, Parisa Tabriz um, and, and many others who... I don't know, there's so many to name, we weren't sure that we were going to get 12 at the beginning, and then we ended up with more than we can handle. Is there a, sort of a, a theme, you know, something that, that connects all of them that, um, you know, that you discover as you, um, as you talk to, to, to many of them? Well, a couple of them, um, a couple themes come to mind. One is a lot, many of them talked about how supportive their parents were of them. And even back in the day when it wasn't too usual for a woman to go into an engineering field, their parents were very supportive um, and things like that. Uh, another theme that comes to mind is, again, it kind of comes back to community. And, the um, you know, a lot of these women's successes were um, because of these teams that they're working on. And... Um, attribute a lot of their success to just their collaboration and their, their, um, the people that they've been able to work with. And as generations go, uh, perhaps the women at the very beginning didn't have, you know, women role models. They, they, they were aided by, by somebody that saw their um, potential. Mm -hmm. But now you've got many women that, that can, can look to the generation before them and the generation before that that can say, you know, this is how to, this is how it gets done. That's right. That's, that's, it's exciting to see all the changes in the college. That's for sure. Well, um, in, I guess maybe it's a dual question because in your, in your role, uh, at the Academy for, um, uh, excellence in engineering education and in this, uh, you know, how do you see, it seems to me like having a, a, um, uh, maybe a critical mass of women com changes the complexion of the confidence maybe that the women have coming in coming into engineering. I think it's true. They, um, you know, in our Collins Scholars Program, I see that quite a bit. The women kind of talking together and and working together and getting ideas from each other. I think it's I think it's pretty powerful. It's changing the dynamic. Right, and, and certainly women in in leadership positions. Um, is making an inroads as well. Absolutely. It's great to see Jennifer Bernhardt, for example, in her role as associate dean for research. And um, it's, we have some, way, we have ways to go, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's coming. All right. Well, we look forward to give, give us details about when we can expect the, uh, the, the book on in press and, 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 and when we can get it in our, in our living room. Well, we hope uh, we're looking at July. University of Illinois Press will be publishing it, and they've targeted July. We have the picture of the cover, so 
it's it's in the works. All right. So where can people uh, learn learn more about the project? Uh, well, they can contact me personally if they're interested, and also the University of Illinois Press. All right. Well, we look forward to it coming out, and thank you so much for uh, stopping by and chatting. We've I know we touched on a lot of areas, but uh, you're one of the people that we want to try to have on this program, and you know we look forward to, to having you back. And perhaps when the the book comes out in July, we can maybe go into detail, bring a couple of because I know um, several of the the people are on campus today, That's and right. we can bring some of those back to to really advocate for for the book. So we look forward to that. Thank you, Mike. Laura Hahn has been our guest. We thank you for listening. This has been another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois. We hope you'll help grow our corpse of listeners by leaving a favorable rating on iTunes.